I'm Laura, aka Biceps, personal trainer and soon-to-be-published author of Lift Yourself, out July the 25th. I believe that discovering health and fitness, and weightlifting in particular, has the power to change your life. It did mine. I found the power of lifting weights completely transformed my own personal body image, from wanting a thigh gap to feeling proud of my strong and athletic figure. After years of crazy diets and not feeling good enough, I finally felt physically successful. And I can't begin to describe how empowering it is to pick up something you didn't think you could. That feeling of ambition will transfer into your daily life and will have the habit of making you feel like you can achieve whatever you set your mind to, if you put in the work and have enough patience to see out the process. Ultimately, I believe that strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't. I'll be exploring this idea every week, celebrating extraordinary men and women who share their stories of resilience, lifting others, and the challenges they faced along the way. Welcome to Biceps and Banter. I'm super excited to be partnering with Fitbit for this series. I'm officially obsessed with my Fitbit from tracking my sleep quality every night to monitoring my effort in workouts and general low intensity activity throughout the day. I genuinely love the brand. For me, having an awareness of this kind of health data really does help me to lead a healthier, more active life, which is very important to me. I have found that using my Fitbit watch and having the app on my phone can help give you the motivation to track your movement and supports you in pursuing a more balanced and healthy lifestyle. And remember, if you're not assessing, you're just guessing. Okay, so hello and welcome to our latest episode of Biceps and Banter. I have with me today a very special guest for me because this guy has achieved something that very few in the world have have ever achieved or have even thought possible. And the guy I have in front of me is uh, is Mr. Joshua Patterson. He is a committed athlete. He is a world record challenge taker and mental health and disability campaigner. So, welcome, Josh. Ah, that's such a nice introduction. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I like that. I practiced it 10 times. Do you know what? A small goal of mine has been to try and make a transformation from kind of TV work that I've done in past and... I don't know why, but I'm so grateful when people just introduce me as Joshua Patterson. I know that sounds really silly. No, it's not at all. It's so nice. I'm I'm pleased because I think <laughs> I think we should celebrate all of your successes. And as you currently stand, you know that this is this is how I this is how I know you as as a, an incredible individual that has taken on something that I like, absolutely blows my mind. So just to give you a bit more information about what Josh has been up to, he's he's used his uh, platform in the public eye to raise awareness of disability, of mental health. And he's so passionate about challenging himself. He's fostered um, what uh, I think he would describe as a limitless mindset that got him through this, the most recent challenge. So what he managed to, to deliver is from John O'Groats to Land's End, he, he travelled in a wheelchair yeah, I did. First first person to ever do it. That's just incredible. Um, yeah, it was one of the most incredible and humbling experiences of my life. And I think there's so much from that challenge that I've taken that I cannot wait to share with people. 
And limitless is the mentality that I live by. And it's something that I preach to so many people because as, as a society, we are limitless in anything that we wish to do. And I think the problem is, is that unfortunately too many of us are limited by other people. And I think it's just how do we try and educate people to have that mindset? Because when you have it, again, excuse the pun, there are no limits to, to what you can do or what you want to be in life. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why I do a lot of these challenges and I speak so passionately is because I'm just a normal guy. I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the fastest. I'm not the smartest. But I'm passionate and I know what I want. And I think every time I do this challenge, you know, the, the hope is to inspire one more person to believe that they can do it as yeah. well. Because these challenges aren't impossible. It's only impossible until somebody does it. And then when I do it against the odds you know, a few eyebrows are raised and they're like, well, hang on. Well, actually it is possible. Well, yeah. if this guy can do it, then I can. And I mean, this challenge that I recently did, again, what I try and preach to people is to stop making excuses or find reason not to do it. Yeah. And the odds were really against me on this one. The, the reality is, is that no one had ever done it by wheelchair. So there was no comparison to be made. Yeah. The team that I took with me, none of them had ever been subjected to disability before. So none of them really had a clue, but were passionate about being a part of the project. The wheelchair that I actually used didn't fit me. So each wheelchair that an athlete uses or individual is specifically made for their body. Right. So the wheelchair that I actually used was made for a blind female athlete in Canada. She paid okay. the deposit, but for some reason never picked it up. Okay. So draft wheelchairs very kindly lent it to me. Essentially, when a, a wheelchair is uh, is designed for you, it's there essentially to enable you to have a full extension all the way around the rim of the wheel yeah. in order to pick up ultimate speed. So yeah. your average speed in the wheelchair, race chair, you're looking at maybe on average 12 miles an hour. Yeah. Because this wasn't built for my frame, I essentially was pushing it like a day chair. So for every like single stroke that your average person would take, I'd probably yeah. be taking four or five. So my average speed was like five miles an hour. Wow. Five to six. So because of where it was positioned, you couldn't extend your I arm couldn't fully? couldn't physically extend it. Wow. Um, and then just the comfort as well, because I essentially didn't have a plate really to sit on. I The, the sores I was getting on my shins um, from, from the pressure points of the steel was, was pretty unbearable. But the point I'm making is it's one of those things where you can just accumulate these reasons of why you didn't finish it or why you didn't do it. Yeah. Or you can basically just say, F it. Let's just smash it. And then when you do it, it just makes it so much more sweeter. Unbelievable. And just for those who um, have never travelled the John O'Groats to Land's End, how far is it? You're, you're looking, I think the average is about 900 miles. Wow. Um, I ended up doing 950 got lost uh no yeah well funny enough, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> dyslexic so that's people's first thought no I think it was uh it was essentially the case of we had a couple run-ins with police mm. and you know yeah it was a tricky one because I, I we, we actually spoke about this in one of the episodes that we filmed we did a series on it and um we had a bit of confrontation with the police where they they care about your safety but I I think the the odd policeman that we bumped into didn't really understand what we were trying to achieve or were necessarily that empathetic. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of meant essentially we legally were allowed on A roads, but, you know, I didn't want to endanger anyone nor did I want to endanger myself. So we had to reroute a lot, which added these extra miles. And we ended up going on these crazy bike paths that hadn't been laid for like 25 years. B roads again, which yeah. hadn't been particularly laid and 
yeah, it was just, it was a bit hectic. So it essentially added an extra day to kind of what we needed to do. Yeah, and over that distance, not ideal. I've, um, I feel like I, I, I want to say, you know, I can really relate, but it's just not comparable. I've recently ran the London Marathon and I just, I love hearing what you're, what you say about you can think something is impossible until you try it. And actually you could really surprise yourself. And when I was running the London Marathon, I think probably myself included, a lot of people thought, nah, you can't do that. And I just loved the ability to go, I'm going to just try anyway and see what happens. So also just um, to put that distance into perspective, it's the equivalent of about two marathons a day. Yeah, I mean, I, the furthest I went in one day was 60 miles. Wow. Um, and it took me from five in the morning till 11.30 at night. The average time per day was about 12 hours, Yeah, which was nuts. But there's a thing that I can't wait to share with people. And I don't think many people are familiar with it, but it's a thing called flow state. Have you heard about no, it? No, I haven't. So on this particular day, um, this was about two weeks into the challenge, I got to about 45 miles and the goal was 60. And at 45, I just, my body was done. I yeah. was completely broken. I mean, I was so far past the wall. The wall was just like a, a small little dot. And at this point, I was hallucinating. I saw my dad and I got quite emotional because I hadn't seen family or, or heard yeah. from them because I, I didn't want to be distracted. And I remember I, just being so excited to see him and he disappeared. That's how vivid my hallucinations wow. were. I was calling my team members' names that weren't their names. I called my pacer, who's my, my buddy George, Dorda. And Dorda. And, and Dorda is is what I called my little sister when she was a baby. Oh. So I haven't used that name in 15, 16 years. So it's so weird how my mind was tapping into things. Yeah. I was getting full body convulsions. So I was literally fitting on the side of the road because my, like, my body was just cramping in every part. And I turned to my uh, coordinator, Chris King, who is just the most incredible guy. And this is his bread and butter. He is an endurance athlete. And he was smiling at me. And I was like, Chris, I don't, I don't quite get you here, buddy. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking. I said, I'm, I think I'm done. He went, no, nah, you're not. He went, mate, this is a privilege. And I said, you what? He went, this is a privilege. You've earned this right now. So enjoy it. He said, I pay any money in the world to feel the way you are right now in this moment. And I just I didn't get it. He went, keep riding. So I kept riding and I kept riding for about 10 miles. And then I hit 55 and I don't know what it was, but I went to this thing called flow state mm -hmm. and I snapped. And everything that I went through went and my average speed went from five to six miles an hour to 15 miles an hour wow. and I held it for five miles that's unbelievable and essentially it's when you push yourself through such an extremity you go into this extreme level of focus on one singular thing and for me it was obviously hitting the 60 mile mark yeah. and it was one of the most incredible feelings I think I've ever been through and I think what I've taken from that again is that this is a guy who literally I felt like I was going to die without exaggerating. I'd never been to that point before. Had I not had the right guy with me telling me to shut up yeah. and get on with it, I would have quit. But having the right guy there pushing me past that barrier, I went to a realm into my mind. And this is what excites me, the fact that we only use, what, 10% of our brains. Yeah. I went into a realm that I never thought possible. Now, if I can tap into that, and like I, I keep repeating to people, I'm just a random, regular guy 
everyone on this planet can feel it and I want them to I'm not saying do what I did and do 60 <laughs> miles and hallucinate and get emotional <laughs> and break your body down but it just shows how much I think we do limit ourselves and yeah. actually if we could all tap into that flow state how much more productive and how much more of life we could live absolutely it's just it's absolutely incredible I, I think um obviously I haven't experienced that but even in a in a marathon I think it has the ability to push you to everyone's version of their limit and I, I experienced something a little bit similar in that I was so done. I was like, I saw people that I knew on the side and they're like, you're doing amazing. I, I couldn't say anything. I just looked at them. I was like, I'm, I'm fucked. <laughs> uh, that is literally it. And they just, I just, we just had this exchange of look of this is bad. Yeah. But I just had no choice but to keep going. And I, I think there is this sense of euphoria and something does change. Something does switch. And you just go, I have no choice but to continue. And it's so incredible to see what you can you can achieve when you when you do push past those limits that we put on ourselves. Yeah, I think I think your motive as well. Like, what's your reason for being? Like, what's your reason for what you're doing? Yeah. And I think you know this challenge. Firstly, was in honor for my buddy. Like, yeah. I, everything I do, I, I want to do for him. I want to keep him smiling every day. I think being subjected to a disability community has opened my eyes, and I do it for them. Um, I owe them everything you know the David Weir or the Weir Archer Academy you know I have kids as young as seven years old teaching me how to be in a chair I've got kids who are you know trying to be GB athletes who train morning day and night and then they come onto the track afterwards for an extra few hours to, to, to support me so I do it for them um but a big part of what I did with this challenge was show people that live with mental illness what you are capable of doing and I I I have a huge weight on my shoulders when it comes to this because you know, there's a lot of talkers and they talk a lot of crap and, you know, a lot of people say that they're ambassadors for mental illness, but for me, they don't back it up. You know, I think it's very current right now and I think it's quite good to be on trend yeah. with that sort of thing. I just like to do it. Yeah. And for me, I went into this with really bad mental health and to the point where I was actually going to pull out a couple of days before. Wow. Um, and when we went into the challenge for the first four days, uh, Chris, the coordinator, was really worried about me. He actually called my agent up and said, mate, I... I I think we might need to pull this. My anxiety was so bad that I was probably burning about 6,000 plus calories a day. And I think I was only consuming about 1,800. Mm-hmm. So my body was just deteriorating quite mm-hmm. rapidly. But I pulled Chris aside and I just said, listen, no matter what happens, you do not fucking pull this project. Yeah. I said, there are people out there that need to see what this is about. And again, I'm not preaching that you need to push yourself to these extremities, but Again, I think we limit ourselves when we have these mental illnesses and we sell ourselves short. And actually what I needed to do was show people that vulnerability is strength and there is huge vulnerability when you have mental illness every single day because you have fear of judgment, fear that people may think you're crazy or that, you know, you're incapable. And I wanted to show people that when you don't have a chair that fits you and you're doing something that you've never done before and you take the use of your legs away and you have terrible mental illness, if you can still achieve 900 miles, what else can you achieve? And and we did it. And I think for me, that is something that I hope the, and I say a community, the mental, well, yeah. I wouldn't say mental illness community, but a community of people can see and they can take strength from this. Absolutely. That actually there is a stigma. And I think the only way we'll ever beat this stigma is by educating the people that don't understand how to understand. And the only way you can really do that is by showing them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I just think it's incredible how you talk about this strong sense of purpose. You're not just doing this just for the sake of, you know, you know, it's not an ego thing. It's you've experienced something so close to you personally and, and, and with your friend that that was your why. 
and I think in life we feel like we have to do a lot of things and and you and I I mean just before we started recording we were talking a bit about external validation it's so ridiculous sometimes when you think about it and your sense of purpose here was incredible so you talk about your your friend can you share a little bit about his experience and how you came to trying to do this challenge yeah so my best friend um, Ben Tansley uh, from back home in Norfolk Two years ago on my birthday, he came to meet my little girl for the first time. And uh, we actually have the image where he was standing for the last time where he was holding her. And uh, it was such a special day um, for me to share that with them. And on my way back to London with her, I got a phone call to say that Ben had been in in a pretty terrible motorbike accident. Um, Our other friend went into the back of him. It was just a freak, freak thing. And... um, you know, he would later be told that he was paralyzed from the chest down and that he would never walk again. Um, but what's great about Ben Tansley is that, again, something that we are so passionately trying to push for people to understand is that too often in life we're told a statistic and we just accept that as our fate. And actually, what's great about Ben is that he's creating his own statistic and we want everyone to do the same. It doesn't matter whether 7 billion people have been told they're not going to walk again and it's true, they've never met you. And he's got that attitude and he's defying what medically he's being told. And so we do these challenges, you know, some for ourselves, um, for our self-value, some for the communities. Um, But ultimately, it's just it's such a wonderful feeling when you wake up and you get a message from a little girl whose mother has been bedridden, for instance, um, you know, recovering from, say, cancer. And they've seen one of our documentaries or episodes and she's decided that she wants to wake up this morning and go for a walk. You know, there is literally no, you know, and I think the issue with with society right now is that we're so focused on like materialistic or monetary things and no money in the world can buy the way that makes you feel when you read a message like that. And I think that's Ben's inspiration every day is the more he's doing, the more of these messages he gets, the more he wants to do. And we're just, we're riding a wave right now, which is pretty awesome. Um, You know, neither of us, it's a weird way to describe it. Neither of us are surface. We're not really sure which way to take this wave yeah but we're just cruising with it and it's just been the most remarkable two years and I think what's really special about this is that like so many people that I film with when I do my Limitless series Ben like so many of these individuals that I do film with honestly believes this is the best thing that's ever happened to him and that if he was given a choice to go back in time and change it he wouldn't because he wouldn't have achieved the things that he has to this point or met the people that he has and again I think so many people um kind of try and live the life that they used to have rather than trying to live a new life that they have. And I think he's accepted it. And I think he's just, he's really excited for the future, which is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And you actually started by doing the Berlin Marathon. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, pre- I'm not sure. I mean, I was told this. I believe I'm the first able-bodied person to have done Berlin in okay. a wheelchair. That was in a day chair. Um, and we actually filmed a documentary for that called Berlin, which was incredible. And yeah, we did that together. That He called me up from the hospital like five, six days after his accident and said, oh, mate, I'm, I'm going to do a marathon. <laughs> I was like, dude, you've just been told you're not going to walk like, and yeah. you're already planning marathons. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, would you do it with me? And um, I said, mate, I would love to. And I thought he meant like push him. And uh, he said, you know, would you consider doing it in a wheelchair alongside me? And I was like, well, yeah, of course, I'll do anything yeah. to support you. And and that was the start of, of something pretty special. 
One of the biggest questions I get asked is how I stay motivated to be active beyond my day job as a trainer. I need to ensure I'm moving enough and also if I have had a particularly active day, I need to ensure I'm fueling my body enough to perform. I can't talk enough about the benefits of managing your sleep and the quality of it. Going from a stressful or high energy job to having to wind down and get an early night can sometimes be a challenge and it definitely affects how I feel and how much energy I have the next day. My Fitbit helps me to track the various sleep stages I'm in, from light sleep to deep sleep, right through to REM. So if I haven't managed to get a solid seven to eight hours, I need to be aware that I might not be on top form for the next day. By tracking my personal stats through features like heart rate monitoring, active minutes over the day, as well as my sleep data, I have a much better understanding of my overall health. What I'm extremely interested to understand is, what does the training look like for this? Because it's, as you say, you know, it, the, the odds were slightly against you in terms of the setup and, and doing such an extreme physical challenge. Who do you even go to to ask for, for support and training here? So D David Weir was um, a, a very good mentor to me. Um, yeah. You know, to, to, to those of you that don't know who he is, he's, you know, I would say probably the greatest Paralympian of all time. 20, Agree, yeah. 28 medals for, for yeah, Great Britain. He's won the London Marathon seven times. I think he broke the world record last year for it. And he kind of took me under his wing and he's got the Weir Archer Academy. And just being around, you know, children, men, women with disabilities in their chairs, you know, you can only really work on your craft when you actually physically do it. And that was it, going to Richmond Park with them and just spending as much time in the chair as possible. But, you know, this this challenge was 900 miles and I think the furthest distance I went before was like 35 miles, which, yeah. which was not great. Um, and I think we ended up doing 50 miles on the first day. But I, I guess it was just spending as much time in that chair as possible. Because when you're sat on your legs, essentially you're in a stress position and it's yeah. just whether you can tolerate that stress position or not. Um, and thankfully, you know, we did. So I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for, for him and his academy for just the support that they showed me every single day. That's amazing. And did you think when you first sort of got in and you were like, right, okay, I'm going to give this a go, what were you thinking? Were you, were you like, okay, were you optimistic? Were you thinking... I, I'm kind of starting to realise the the epicness of, of the challenge ahead. Um, I actually wanted to lob the chair. I, I, I remember being in it and it was really pissing me off and I just yeah. wanted to get out and lob it. It was just so frustrating because yeah. when you push, it's really hard to explain it for you guys not to be able to see it, but when you push um, a raised chair, you wear these leather gloves that like split your hands up, like turtle hands. Okay. And you essentially put the rim in between your thumb and essentially your fist, and you essentially flick the rim with your thumb. Right. So your entire body is being pushed by your two thumbs. Perfect. So that in itself is just so alien, and trying to learn that technique as well as being sat on your knees, it yeah. just, I, I, yeah, it, it, it's not the most pleasurable experience, but like anything, after a while of doing it, it, it just becomes second nature. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you've always been into health and fitness, right? But this is kind of next level. What was your relationship with sort of fitness and yourself before you started? Fitness has always been a, my life, as in, like I, you know, I was rubbish at school. I never got good grades. Um, and the only way I kind of felt like I had self-worth was when I did sport. That was the only time I succeeded. And, I, I, you know, I never really thought that I would make a career out of it. 
I kind of pursued rugby when I left school. I wanted to be a professional rugby player. But unfortunately, I think my battles with my, my health at the time, my performances just were not consistent. Okay. And I think when I had opportunities to play for big clubs, I, I just let myself down. I just put too much pressure on so that rugby didn't end up working out. But I, I, I kind of, gymming for me was just always my stabilizer. I think it was when I started to realize that I was living with mental illness, I started to realize the value of fitness, that it yeah. wasn't just a case of me going, just trying to look good. It actually was me feeling good. Yeah. And somehow just through the years, I've just had this natural progression where it's surpassed even now me feeling good. It really serves a purpose. Yeah. And my purpose in life is people. You know, everything that I've been subjected to in my life and how it's made me feel, I don't want anyone in this world to feel like that. And if I can try and educate or inspire an individual to try and get past that or get through it, then then that's my purpose and that's what makes me happy. That's amazing. I, th I think it's very... Um we talk about sort of current, you know, trend of, of topics. And I think there's a big discussion at the moment around, you know, health at any size or, you know, a lot of my community are starting to see the benefits of not just exercise, but also strength training and the benefits, not just physically, but mentally. And I, I, I can very much relate to there was a time where I was doing exercise or training. It was a bit of a punishment. I was turning up because I just had to do something because I'd probably drunk too much the night before. I'd go to the gym, probably didn't enjoy it, um, have a little cigarette on the way home, if I'm honest. Yeah. And that was it. And I yeah. thought, oh, great. That's an hour of my life I won't get back. And it was just, it, I didn't have a purpose. I was doing it for transactional reasons. And I think there is this evolution or everyone has their own personal journey of, I'm doing it for aesthetics, to look a certain way, to fit in, external validation. And then you go, do you know what? This is so boring. What am I doing this for? And you, it feels good, and, and then you find a purpose, and then it's almost like, wow, I, like I describe it as a relief. Like yeah. I'm not, like my, my relationship with myself has evolved so much. Um, do I look now physically how I wanted to back then? No, nothing like it actually. Yeah. Um, I'd probably be quite disappointed with my physical self, you know, me 10 years ago. But as soon as you find that space, that headspace, it just becomes, it becomes a, a lifestyle. So... After you finished this challenge, so it was 19 days, right? Yeah, 19 days we did it. 19 days. In the grand scheme of life, not a long time. But you talk quite a lot about sort of a, a change in perspective since you've done that challenge. It's one of those experiences that will change you and it changes you for the rest of your life. And I think it's because you are broken in every single way, mentally and physically, and for the better, because it builds you back up and, mm. you know, a word I love to use, a word I used um, as like the foundation of a speech I did recently is adversity. Yeah. And again, what I try and preach to people is that we are all going to face adversity at some stage in our life if you're not currently doing so right now. But what we're not educated and what we don't see enough is actually what can come off the back of these adversities that we face. Because I've faced some pretty shit moments in my life. And the speech I did recently, you know, it was I was pretty vulnerable talking about it to so many people. But these adversities, when I look at them now, have, have defined me, but they've defined me in the way that I wish to. I always say to people that you can become the author of your own story. You can rewrite it. Yeah. Because essentially when you're handed these unexpected adversities, it's like someone's given you the book. But then what happens if you go and you get your own book published and you become that author? You then can rewrite it. And that's what I try and do every time where... For instance, I started a sports brand for women uh, two years ago 
and my manufacturer stole my money. I lost £70,000 and I had to close my company down in the same year. I was absolutely devastated because I'd sacrificed so much time of my life from my family, my money. But then actually in this speech, I was like, I'm so grateful for the woman for stealing my money that day. And people are like, what? And I'm like, because it gave me a year of reflection to realise that active wear wasn't actually my passion. People were. Yeah. It was the people that were wearing the sportswear. You know, the message behind the sportswear, which I was trying to deliver, was, was, was more important to me. So actually, you know, there are wonderful things that can come off the back of it. Um, and I try and show that again, you know, for instance, Tano, he's had a motorbike accident and look at what we've achieved in yeah. two years. You yeah. know, what's the negative in that adversity that you face? Sometimes, not always, because I know there are very extreme levels of, of adversity, but I try and show people that it can be a gift. Yeah. It might not be a gift that you want and it might not make sense, but eventually it will. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... One of the things that struck me most when I was watching, um, so if you guys listening, if you want to search it, it's called Riding Beyond Limits. You can find it, I think, on Josh's um, Instagram page and via YouTube. The series is quite astonishing. It's it's very honest. It's very transparent. And there's one part in uh, towards the end of the challenge where you, uh, as you sort of alluded to earlier, there becomes a point where mental strength it gets you so far and then physically you just can't do anything. And there was a point where you said, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm broken. At that point, when mental strength you've ridden out, physically you feel like you can't go on, what's, what's going on in your head? Again, it's your motive, isn't it? You know, if, if my ambitions were money, I wouldn't have done it. If my ambitions would have been something materialistic, I wouldn't have done it. You know, it was the small things. It was the fact that I hadn't seen my little girl for almost three weeks and all I wanted to do was cross that line and cuddle her. You know, it was the fact that, again, I I, I bear a huge weight on my shoulders with mental illness and I wanted to show a community what we could do. So there was no choice to fail. You know, I I had to succeed to to do them justice. You know, Tano as well, I I needed to do this for him um, because, you know, he surprised me at the end of the trip. I knew he'd surprise me at some point. I just wasn't sure when. And because I hadn't seen him yet, I yeah. wanted him to have that moment. Yeah. You know, there were just so many different things going through my head. And, and you know, I think as well, you just got to remind yourself, this is my choice. Yeah. I am in pain. You know, I think uh, towards the end, I had nine hours sleep in three days. I was malnourished. I was dehydrated. My body was just, I, my left thumbnail was like about to fall off. My whole body was in spasm. You know, I just was up shit creek. I hadn't been able to use a toilet for three days because we didn't have one. I was using fields and I was sick and tired of being next to cows first thing in the morning. <laughs> you know, I was getting rained on for like seven, eight hours. It got to the point, I know this is pretty rank, but I got so fair, I just like peeing on myself in the mm. chair because it saved time. Yeah. Having to get up and stand and do it. And also, it sounds stupid, but just for that moment of actually peeing on myself, I was warm. Went back to being cold again, but it was like a, a small yeah. radiator. It was gritty. It really was gritty. Like I stunk. Like my my team at one point just really didn't even want to be near me. But you know, it, it, I just reminded myself that it was my choice to be there. So actually, yeah. all these things that I was I was being subjected to were by my choice. And and again, in a weird way, like Chris said, just be grateful for it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think um, it's one of those things where we, as humans, we are quite risk averse. And when we get to that point where we see a risk, we have ultimately the decision to choose what to do. And, and on this occasion, 
you chose to carry on. And I, I feel like it's because you had such a strong sense of purpose um, for that. So your recovery. Yeah. So like, it's, I'm still like 10, feels like 10 years later, I'm still <laughs> recovering from my marathon. You did two a day for 19 days. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. I, do you know what? Weirdly, I got tested recently. So I had to go for like a checkup just to make sure everything was all right. And... Um, my body's pretty broken still, but I'm I'm starting to get my strength back. Um, you know, anxiety will always be there, so I still struggle with my with 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 eating appropriately, and that's something I really need to work on. That's something that that's a personal goal of mine yeah. is trying to get that down. Um, but weirdly, the, the the most affected part was actually my organs, um, and my lungs specifically. They're, they're pretty badly inflamed right now from all of the pollution right. that I was inhaling. Um, and again, that's why this this whole challenge was so interesting because there was no case study to go off because I am yeah. the first to have done it. They just didn't consider the fact that actually being in a wheelchair at exhaust height yeah. would be an issue. And clearly after essentially three weeks of just inhaling these fumes, you know, it's had a bit of a knock on yeah. effect. So, you know, we're now just having to work on on getting that cleared up. Okay, so you haven't you haven't started you know training for any new adventure just yet? No, no. We, do you know what? Some a little bit. So we we've we've got another challenge, Tano and I, in September. Okay, so this is going to be my next question. Surely yeah. you've got something else up your sleeve. Yeah. So my so the next challenge I'm going to do with Tano. This is a bit of an odd one. This is just a personal one. This okay. isn't something that we expect people to do, but this is just one of his quirky ideas. So there's a thing called Heaven's Gate in China. At the okay. Great Wall. It's 999 steps. And he just loves the fact that even though the use of his legs have been taken from him, he can still defy the gods and get to Heaven's Gate with the use of his hands. Wow. So he basically wants me to hold his frame and he just essentially wants to go up each step one at a time with his hands. Yeah. Um, but we just had a meeting really excitingly with Red Bull and Wings for Life, their side charity. And amazing. they they are now, you know, wanting to be a part of this amazing journey. Um which again just adds another level to this incredible experience that he's going through right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that that content is going to be amazing. And I'm actually, I've not announced it yet. I won't say what it is. Okay. I'm considering it, but I think my next challenge, um, well, it is definitely going to be in this instance. I think I'm going to take my eyesight away. Okay. Yeah. So maybe step out of the chair for this one. Um, and again, it's again about vulnerability, you know, taking my eyesight away. I, I did a, an awards. It's funny how things work out. I just, the, the speech I was at recently yeah. at this college, um, this incredible girl, Phoebe, won it. And she travels an hour and a half in a taxi morning and night to this college and she's blind. And she's learning everything through Braille and she wants to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And... It, you know, it's funny how I came up with this idea that I wanted to do my next challenge blind and I meet her and now I've met her, I 100% want yeah. to do it because, again, you look at the limitations that girl's been dealt in life and the fact that she stands in a classroom with children mm -hmm. who can see mm -hmm. and she's teaching them, yeah. I just think is the most incredible thing. So there's a part of me that wants to do this in honour of her now. Also, just in case people hadn't been aware, Josh raised a significant amount of money for charity for this particular one, for uh, the Royal Marines charity. Yeah, that was um, one, yeah. The Spinal Injuries Association um, and Heads Together. Because, you know, obviously your, your passion for, for raising money and awareness around these topics, especially with mental health. So uh, just a absolutely incredible achievement. It was, it was important to have those three specific charities, actually, because 
what people don't realize is that we kind of differentiate ourselves and actually we have more in common than we think. And I was looking at these three charities going, okay, well, you have an individual in a wheelchair, you have an individual with mental illness, and you have a Royal Marine. Mm -hmm. And what was really important about picking the Royal Marine charity was actually these men and women are arguably some of the toughest mentally and physically, yeah. but they're still human. Yeah. And the reality is when they've served this country, some of them are going to come back with mental and physical disabilities. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of them are trained for that, how yeah. to deal with that, because it leaves them feeling very vulnerable. Yeah. And the reason why I picked a spinal charity and a mental health charity is because there is so much strength that can be seen and be taken from those two communities. So actually it was sharing the values of all three together yeah. so that when these individuals come back from serving, you know, they have the inspirations and the support networks from these two other communities there together. And so each day of this challenge, we kind of um, dedicated a day to one member of each community just to showcase the strength that can be taken from it because yeah. there's a lot you know there's a lot of servicemen and women out there right now that are struggling you know I think one of the main inspirations behind the Marines a friend of mine who served said that five of his friends have committed suicide and this is a proper taboo subject you know yeah. we can't we can't allow ourselves to, to, to show weakness and you know the, the service cannot be seen to have flaw and the reality is when you build these robots up and they are built like robots and they're put back into society. I, I mean, I don't know what the support network's like, but those numbers that I'm being told suggest that it's not up to standard right now. And I think hopefully again, this challenge just shows, you know, a few people that we care and that there is a massive support network out there. And no matter what adversity, if you are listening, that you're facing, there is such an exciting life that you guys can live. Trust me, you just got to want it. Absolutely. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And I, I think um, one of the other things that we were talking about is how things, how your perspective changes after you've been through something of, I guess, this extreme or of, or of physical and mental strength. What's changed for you? What's what does the, what does the future for you look like versus before you started it? Excuse the pun, but I do feel quite limited. You know, I was a little bit disappointed when I came back from my challenge, in all honesty. And I probably shouldn't be saying this. I'm sure my agent will be like, shut your mouth. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think what I'm disappointed, when I came back, we, we did about 30 covers, I think, in terms of interviews. But not one media network wished to showcase it. And it wasn't about validation. It wasn't about ego, me wanting to be shown yeah. to the world. It was the fact that a team of people who have never been subjected to disability managed to succeed and get an able-bodied person 900 miles in a wheelchair. This was a celebration about yeah. being British, yeah. um, about creating a community of so many communities and, and bringing them together. And not one network saw value in that. And I, I, that was quite disheartening for me. And, you know, I'll keep doing what I do. Yeah. I don't really care whether they cover it or not. But what I do care about is when we prioritise things in society that don't have value. You yeah. know, when you turn the television on and, oh. you know, this morning are covering a story where a woman's like, I'm too good looking to be in a relationship. And I, and I think, well, how are we headlining <laughs> that when yeah. there are so many incredible people out there? I, I completely agree. I watched on TV yesterday, it was about a 10-minute uh, slot about how to get rid of your cellulite. There, there was about six yeah. different ways. Yeah. And it's it's just one of those things where it's... I very much appreciate that everything in broadcast is commercial, right? So 
you know, there, there has to be something that sells and is in yeah. demand for. And perhaps, you know, what you what you did, what you did achieve, we talk about it is quite a taboo subject. You know, maybe the world's not ready. And I think in my perspective, I, I love how you just said I was disappointed, but it just changes nothing. I carry on anyway, yeah. and and that's what will make a change. Yeah. I, I think it's an evolution. I think you're right. I think I don't think the world is ready. I mean, I faced a lot of adversity before we did this challenge. I had, I had charities reject me, and I had one mental health, a big mental health charity, reject me because they didn't want to offend people in wheelchairs. I won't name them out of respect, but they let themselves down that day when they sent me that email. I had magazines ask me why I wanted to take a world record away from a disabled person. And this was a disabled magazine. And again, you've let yourself down because this is why That's there are the stigmas. Point. You know, I don't see a person with a disability and see them as disabled. I've, I've subjected myself to the life that they live. I have so much admiration and respect for them. Yeah. And it's our lack of understanding and knowledge is why there are these stigmas. So when you have an, a physically able-bodied guy trying to break that barrier and you don't wish to show him that support, that was fine. I knew what my motives were. I knew they were genuine. You know, the fact that my best friend is my main inspiration behind yeah. this, who is disabled. Yeah. Um, and what's nice about this challenge is that I hate villainizing people. I never point fingers. I don't try and create clickbait. I just do what I got to do. Yeah. And hopefully we can try and sway the opinions or decisions of others. And actually those that I was facing the adversity from are now on board. Okay. That's the success in it. So, no, you know. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, we talk a lot about the, the, the era of social media and our our worth, our value is somewhat decided upon likes and engagement. And it, it, it drives me insane because the, the number of whatever likes or following or if you get a primetime slot or if, you know, you're on Love Island, whatever it is, um, that's kind of shows success. But actually it's it's not necessarily helping to kind of move on the conversation around things that we really need to talk about and that's and that's what you've done and and I think it will continue to to help and there's one um there's one quote that I I read from you that I just want to I just want to read out cuz it 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 really it really uh hit hard for me you you said every day is a blessing and should be for any living human Unfortunately, it's not for so many, and this is something I wish to change. Through my own journey, I've learned a lot and wish to showcase that no matter the adversities we face, we remind people the capabilities and strength we personally have to overcome it. Like, honestly, like I read that and I was like, there needs to be more Joshes because... Oh, that's very kind. Yeah, but, it, but it's, it's true in that you've, you've done this for your friend through a personal experience, and it's one of those things that, if you can change the mindset of one person, like you said, if you can, if you can encourage, you know, that, that little girl, Phoebe, you know, that's, mm. you know, she's training to be a teacher. That's, that's how, that's how we make change. That's how we make a positive impact. And, um, I, I want, I want to finish on, uh, something that Josh and I spoke about before we started, um, a little bit to do with purpose, but we were talking about uh, an individual legacy and we were talking about in, you know, when, commercials and uh, physical things, possessions, nice cars, good, you know, holidays, whatever, is seemingly the currency of, of success. Is that what you want to take with you? What What is your, what is going to be your legacy? I always say to people, I think we, we often in life conform too easily. 
and we follow a routine of what we've seen so many times before. And for me, it's just simple. Again, not ego, but be the most interesting person at a dinner party. Be the person that when you're sat next to someone, you tell them something that they've never heard before. Because that's interesting. Don't talk about the usual subjects. You know, when you have this legacy, what do you want to be remembered for? Because you can have all the materialistic things in the world. You can have all the money in your bank. But who do you share that with? Who remembers you for that? You know, as I said, you know, there's no greater gift than when you give to someone. And that simple message, that's that's the legacy that I wish to leave behind. You know, if I can inspire an individual with a disability to walk again, and I know that sounds crazy but it's true you know I, I want a, I want a child who's told that they can't walk that they will walk again and yeah. I truly believe that they can they've just got to believe it themselves so I think when when I get to my my, my time hopefully that's not for a very long time I just want to know that I've given genuinely as much to a mental health community and just communities in general as, as they've given me because I've had a very very blessed life and I you know the legacy or the greatest legacy I, I will ever leave behind is my little girl yeah. and I want to make sure that I subject her to as many of these things as possible that for me is a legacy that I want to leave you know that's absolutely incredible I I've, I feel like um we were talking about Joe Rogan I feel like I could talk to Josh about this for three <laughs> hours but our, our time our time is pretty much up here so I, I just want to thank you so much um Josh I have been so excited to interview you today and oh, thank you. and you've you've lived up to every expectation and more and um I have no doubt that the guys at home would have, have loved this so one final word from you. If the guys at home are listening to this and as inspired as me and think, that's incredible, but I couldn't do that. There's things I can't do. What, what do you say to them? It might sound cheesy, but just every time you wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror and just say, I am limitless. It's as simple as that. It is cheesy, but just keep saying it and believe it when you say it. Yeah. and see what comes of it. Josh, thank you so much. And you can find um, Josh, if you're not already following him, at... Uh, Instagram would, is JoshuaPatterson underscore JP. And his YouTube series, Riding Beyond Limits. Um, check it out. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you. you next week. And that's it, team. Another episode down. And as ever, I want to round this up with a final thank you to all the gang at Fitbit. Because without the team there, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Using all the resources I can access with my Fitbit means I can utilize personalized insights and have guidance on how to improve my overall health and well-being. At the end of each day, I like to check my stats to just evaluate my day and gives me the reassurance I need that I am pursuing a healthy and active lifestyle. See you next time, team.